continue this morning in the book of Romans there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been powerful, Pastor Alex. You know, I say it's really been powerful. It's been really good. It's, it's really caused me to, to look to that Roman letter just even deeper. And yeah. The first epistle of the, the New Covenant and just see the things that, 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 that Paul was trying to teach us out of that. So this morning we're going to dive in. Let me see if I can grab my notes and lay it out. We're going to be uh, looking at... Uh, uh, Verses 4, 5, and 6 today. So just you get your scriptures ready, get your, your notepad out. Um, we're going to read uh, Key and Elna verses 4, 5, and 6. We've dealt with the, the first three in the, really in detail the last few days. So as we get started, Pastor, why don't you just open us up in prayer. Just ask Amen. God to bless this time and bless those that would come on and participate with us this morning. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, God, we just pray that our mind and our hearts and our eyes would be open, Lord God. Open our hearts, God, to understand, God. Open our eyes to see, our mind to grab a hold, God. I, I rebuke the devourer, Lord God, and will try to steal the, the word from us this morning. I pray that the word, God, will be sharper than a double-edged sword, that it would even discern our thoughts this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're not a respecter of people, Lord God, that, that you're a, a God who is loving and kind and wants to reveal us the Scriptures, Lord. Now, God, I would pray for the anointing of God to break yokes this morning. Lord, I pray that our understanding would be, be, be open, Lord God, that the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. We're asking this morning for wisdom, for wisdom in these Scriptures, Lord God, and understanding. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, this is really kind of informal. We're just obviously yeah. broadcast people all over the place. But Pastor Alex and I just get together every morning and, and just begin to break down the Word of God. But uh, we've been talking in the, in the Roman letter and kind of get you guys up to snuff where we've been. You know, Paul wrote the Roman letter from Corinth. And, you know, so he, he was writing really what became the first epistle of the New Covenant. And we're talking about these 16 chapters really is the foundation of Christianity, justification by faith. If you've read about uh, Martin Luther when he when he uh, pinned the 95 theses to the to the, the to the book there in the wall there in Germany, it's after he had really got a revelation of justification by faith through reading the Roman letter. And I, I think today we can get just as much of that revelation from the Word of God if we just seek Him. He said the Spirit of leading God us into all truth. Yes. And so we're just seeing that the, the the victories and the the, the 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 way that God has has given us. Uh, the Word of God to, to be that lamp into our feet and that light into our path. And the Roman letter is really unique. You know, Paul was was in a church when he wrote that at Corinth. And so when he, when he wrote to the church at Rome, he wrote doctrine out of his experience within the church. You know, we think about now, and Ben and I have been talking about, you know, seminaries here around the country, and one specifically there in New Orleans, the New Orleans was the Baptist Theological Seminary. And a lot of times you have uh, professors in the seminaries that don't write from the midst of the church. They, they write from, from this isolated ivory tower and they lack the experience. And so it, what it becomes is they're, they're just basically talking off the top of their head because they're not right down there. Because I, I guarantee you, you guys were on last night and you folks that weren't with us for the Raven Nation, uh, our Tuesday night broadcast, they gave a report on what's uh, happening in, in, in New Orleans East and in various places around the city. I'll tell you what, you can see more biblical doctrine lived out yeah. Out on the streets in people's lives. You talk about that the, the God so loved the world. You get to see the manifestation of beloved, let us love one another. Love is of God, everyone that loves is born of God knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. You mentioned going to different outreaches and seeing different people. And how, and when I, I like I think it was Ben was responding to me about how, you know, certain people saw the church and they were used to, and yes, church people really care about you. 
Church people really want to be a part of your life. And so you get to live out those, those doctrines of the Scripture to love people. To If I see someone that's hungry, I feed them. If I see someone that's naked, I clothe them. If somebody just needs somebody to talk to, I'm there to comfort them that his ear is not shortened. And so when Paul wrote the Roman letter, he wrote not from an isolated place. He wrote from the one that if you read First and Second Corinthians, and in Corinthians, Corinthians, it's early in the morning. We were up late, and I've only had one cup of coffee this morning. But think about it. You know, he, he talks about in First Corinthians about you know I would that there be no contentions among you. And so what what, what probably was there? Contentions. It was contention. Right. And none of us would know anything about that. Oh no. You know we wouldn't know anything about going to churches and and, and having to face contentions and, and battling things like that. Then he talks about a lack of love. You know, we think about the love chapter, First Corinthians thirteen, and, and then the the gifts of the Spirit being misused and misappropriated. There, there's absolutely none of that going on anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so you can see all these things. It, it, it is so relevant to us mm-hmm. today, where he was at. And so if his position was relevant, I know that this epistle is is going to be so relevant to deal with these situations. And we talk about these things all the time, and, and many of you folks out there do. God, how are you going to change things? We know that in the last days that, that men will depart from the truth. But what's the key to bringing those things back? It's coming back to that source and that directive of God's Word and saying, you know what, I'm not going to deviate. Uh, it may not be as popular as a Velvet Elvis, or it may not be as popular as some other type of thing being propagated out there. But he said, oh, we'll be hated of all men for his yes. name's sake. Yeah. And so we have the source and we know if we'll just... We talk about the Roman road. And the Roman road isn't as simple as the 10th chapter. And, okay, pray this prayer. This, this 16 chapters... Is the Roman road. It's not as simple as, and we listened to a video of a gentleman talking about, you know, don't think that just because you were 12 years old at some church camp that you, you uttered some Christian mantra and you're okay. No, it's these 16 chapters that we're studying is how you're going to live your life now so you can spend eternity with Him then. So we've been talking about this, and I'm going to read those first few verses that we've talked about, and then we're going to kind of just. Uh, Plunge us right into verse 4. We'll kind of discuss that amongst ourselves today. But it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. We mentioned that Paul really, that first verse is the complete synopsis of that gospel because he, he says Paul using not his, his, his former name of, of, of Saul, but he immediately says, listen, I'm a new person in Christ Jesus, a servant, a doulos, that bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart and commissioned for something, separated. My, my life is, 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 is not my own any longer, but is given. That which he promised before his holy prophets in the Scripture. Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, we've been dealing with the deity of Christ. You can get that on one of our, uh, uh, our webcasts that you can pull it right off our site, which is made the seed of David. This is what you and I were discussing yesterday. Right. He came from that, that lineage that He had to, to come forth, that God raised up. It was through one man's sin that sin entered in, but through one man's mm-hmm. sacrifice that sin was defeated at the cross of Calvary. And so this morning, guys, especially verse verse 4, I want us to look at that and get you guys to kind of give your insight and your thoughts on that. And so we see Paul addressing, he's really talking about, okay, what you're about to hear is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. It is the, the very essence of, of our existence, it's the essence of everything that God has. And he begins to outline his, his, his credentials, who he is in Christ Jesus, then he begins to say, listen, it was concerning Jesus Christ. Now, if we go preach the gospel somewhere, who's it concerning? Jesus Christ. If we sing a song, who's it concerning? Jesus Christ. If we're faithful on our job, who's it concerning? Jesus Christ. If we're faithful in our marriage, who's it concerning? Jesus Christ. So everything that we do is, is wrapped together concerning Jesus Christ. So Paul said the exact same thing. It's all concerning Jesus Christ. And so uh, 
Then he goes on to say, which made according to the, to the seed of David. Then right here, and he said, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the uh, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. I'm going to go ahead and read the next two verses. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom you are also called. Somebody say also called. Also called. Of Jesus Christ. And so I want to really cover these three scriptures this morning as we kind of conclude. I'm going to call this the, kind of the first portion of that letter because this first portion that we're talking about, uh, really it's Paul identifying himself and identifying the directive that this book has. And we'll find out next week when we return from New York that the next part is really the greeting that he gives. You know, he identifies who it is in these, in these first uh, six verses. Then he begins to get in. Here's who I'm writing it to. And we'll see how that unfolds in the list. So I want us to kind of look at that. And uh, we've spent really a good time, uh, Pastor Alex, setting that foundation for that this, this Magna Carta right. of, the, of the New Covenant. And I think it's really a good word for it because it really is that. It's that one document and that declaration that says what it's all about. So here we go. It's, it, in Romans, Paul begins to thoroughly break down just exactly what was accomplished for us in the cross and how we can walk in right standing with God. And so, let's look at verse 4. I want to read it one more time. And it says, He's declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And so, what is he saying? He's saying, who, who is this Jesus? And you know, it's, it's the Son of God with power. Declaring to be the Son of God in power. Now, I'm going to throw this out and get you guys to chime in. First off, he says that he wants to declare this thing. He wants to make a de- declaration. That word declaration literally means to mark out boundaries or limits. To, to make a, a, a determination on something. So Paul is establishing certain parameters and criteria for the nature of the Redeemer. And the first thing he says is it's the Son of God in power. And so when I said to you guys, listen, he said it's, there's, the parameters have been set. And so the one that I'm talking about He's not Hare Krishna. He's not Muhammad. He's not anyone. He is the Son of God in power. What does that? What does that evoke in you when you hear that? Who is? Who is? I like it. I like it. Where's Kevin? God breathe. That was the first lesson. I mean, here's what I think. Let me let me throw this out at you. You know, because we are partakers of Him. In Christ Jesus. That's the only thing that redeems us, is to partake of His righteousness. And so, you know, 1 Thessalonians 1.5, one of my favorite scriptures, because it puts us on the spot as men of God that preach and teach the Word. That our gospel came not in word only, but in power, and in demonstration of the Holy Spirit with much assurance that they might know what matter of men that we are. And so what are we? We're just, we're just that type, we're just that product, that offspring of His power. And so if He's the Son of God... Or he's the source of that power. And what's that really say about him? How does that separate him from, say, a, a, a false god, a false religion? We've seen many of them in our lifetime, and obviously there's been many throughout the ages. But, but what, do you think, what parameters do you think he's trying to, to set, Ben, when he says, Okay, listen, I'm declaring to you, what you're about to hear, the, 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 the doctrine of this epistle, it, it's going to be set forth from the boundaries of the Son of God in power. How does that help you? What does that do to your position as a believer? Well, also something that came to mind is um, just that he displayed that power then and, and like you said, continues to display that power. This wasn't just a, a vain claim. Right. You know, not just something that was on the paper, but something that uh, I've experienced, something that I've seen um, really just brings the reality to it. And what, you said he displayed the type of power. What are you talking about? Just, well... Uh, we see what happened um, through his gospels, through the account of what he did. 
Mm -hmm. um, and instead of resurrection from the dead and uh, all these things, you know, these things displayed. Then even in uh, my own life, uh, seeing the changes that he's brought to me uh, in my heart uh, and even through uh, each of us, through different things we've been through. Hey, think about this, but you said something that made me think about the things that Jesus did. You know, did he operate, was his ministry a power-packed ministry? Absolutely. I mean, there's no question about that. Now think about that. He had many contentious times with the religious order, with the scribes, Pharisees, or whoever it was, Sanhedrin. You know, and, and he did miracles in front of them. And they said many wicked and evil things. But if you notice, none of them ever said that, that his power wasn't real. They might have questioned the source or attributed it to someone else. Right. But they never questioned the miraculous. They never said, you know what, he's not powerful. Right. They, they had to recognize his power. Mm-hmm. And see, isn't it going to be the same way with every single one of us? Every knee is going to bow. Right. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. So if he comes out and he's declared to be the Son of God with power, and I love the next part, according to the Spirit of Holiness. Spirit of holiness is, is, is another term for for the for the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of names. You know, the the the, the, the Spirit of the One who raised Christ from the dead. Many instances that, that the Holy Spirit, same Spirit. But you know, why would He call it the Spirit of Holiness? Now think about how that sets we as believers apart from anybody else. Right. Because He said, "Follow peace with all men and, and holiness and holiness, because we're without which no man shall see." God. The Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we even think about these, these doctrines that have come out. And, and I don't know if you guys caught the, the news about the man here in Florida, in South, I believe somewhere in Miami, who has this great following. He goes by Jesus, something or another. De Jesus. De Jesus. A uh, 60-something-year-old guy who claims to be uh, the next Jesus. He said, you know what, I'm born Jesus. And he has all his followers getting the 666. Because mm. he says he's, he's anti-Christ in the sense that he's, the Christ done his job and now he's here. But one of the things he says, and I believe is one of the reasons that he's obtaining this following, is because he preaches anti-holiness. Listen, this guy is probably a womanizer and everything else. Right. Do whatever you want to. Because at the end of the day, you know what? Because I've come for you, this this false prophet says, listen, whatever you do in the flesh, is just in the flesh. Because I've changed your spirit. Now now think think about the implications of that just for a minute. It's really, it's, it's consistent with so many cults. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Way International that had a big following back in the 70s and, and somewhat in the 80s, but it's a guy by the name of Weirwill. And he would send young women out from his church and he taught the same, same doctrine about, you know what, you can do whatever you want to the flesh because you're okay. So no holiness. He would actually send young women out to local bars to seduce young men sexually to bring them back into the church. And so he was—he basically he'd used those as a tongue. Said, "You don't watch nothing." So what? You know, red-blooded young American heathen boy wouldn't say, "Hey, this is a pretty good deal." But what did it lack? Yeah. It lacked holiness. the spirit of holiness. Hmm. And so you can I see God. Yeah. And so it, it ties those things in. It says he came in power, and you know, no power has ever been equal to his. I mean, he has that power. But but think about what it says about in the last days. They'll be uh, they'll, they'll come with 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 signs and lying wonders. Right. And they'll see those things. And I, and I think we probably begin to see a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. even, you know, the, just the, the, the beginning of it. Yeah. I believe it's going to get much more severe as the, as the days draw nigh to yeah. the day. But there's this, this false power, this, this false authority, uh, and it's almost like there's these, this Pied Piper spirit. And, you know, I wonder to myself, how does people get so caught up in these things? 
You know, why would somebody buy into those things? But you see it, it lacks the holiness of God. You guys got any comments on just Christ coming in power, what He promised, and, and what He moved in? Anything on that? Oh, I just, I'm just reminding the Scripture as you were talking, you were talking about how they never denied His they could never deny his power. And I remember there was an instance whether it was a blind man, I can't remember. It was after a healing and he said that the Pharisees weren't wanting to kill him. And he said, what are you wanting to kill me for? And he said, because of these miracles. He said, we don't want to kill you because of the miracles. We yeah. want to kill you because you claim to be the Son of God, basically. And so mm-hmm. they never, they like you said, they didn't have a problem with the power. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, uh, or they are, they said that power came from Beelzebub or, or whatever, but this separates us because the other so-called gods never were able to go in power. No one spake like this man. No one moved yeah. like this man. Nobody was able to uh, uh, raise the dead like this man. See, and that's that's what sets him completely apart from all these other ones. That they can claim to have some type of maybe something you could say that may alter your feelings or alter the way you think, but they were never able to do miracles. And so when you yeah. say power, it means literally. I, I'm not sure, but that word power may be due to this there. I don't know if it does or not. But, I mean, he came in that type of power. So that's what declared him, even that same spirit, that, that spirit of power, he's going to raise him from the dead. I mean, that's what separates Christ uh, from all these other guys. Well, and you mentioned that, that, that dunamis, that Acts 1.8, you'll receive, you'll receive that same power. Yeah. And you think about how that ties into the Gospel of John where he says it's expedient, necessary that I go away, that I can send you another comforter that will lead and guide you into all truth. He said he won't just be with you, but he'll be in you. Right. And so that's that empowerment for the believer, which is the person of Christ, that you not know that you're your body, that you're the, right. you're the place that the power of God dwells in, that I'll, I'll give you that dunamis, I'll give you that miracle-working power with inside of you. But we see, th- think about this, even that promise, that, that miracle-working dunamis power, how because we've been satisfied with so many things that, that are not that, that the body of Christ doesn't walk in that. Mm-hmm. Because as long as we have the option of some substitutionary yeah. power or some authority, why would, why would He entrust us with that? And there's that, that empowerment that should come. But, but think about this, guys. That empowerment is tied to holiness. Yeah, check that out. And so why, why do we not see the, the power of God make, make itself manifest in our churches. Because it's tied to holiness. And so what does that say? That there's no holiness in the church. And so what, 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 think about the excuses that we use. And every one of you guys has said, well, you'll get somebody that's riddled with cancer disease. And, and pastors, well, I'll just put it on our responsibilities as, as, as pastors and leaders and ministers of the gospel. We'll make all these excuses. You know, someone will be riddled with disease and we'll say, God called them home. Uh-huh. Now, I don't see that type of calling card Mm-mm. of him in here. You know, I believe that those things are just the effect of the fall. That once man fell, everything fell with him. There's provision, but because there's been an overall lack of holiness within the body of Christ. And we see a picture of that in, in Matthew 13 where Jesus says that, that the prophet is not without honor in his own country. And that was in response to being in, in, in his city and, and having to go outside the walls to heal the sick, to operate in that power. Because of all the doubt and the unbelief. Right. And what's, what that ought to be, that's tied to, don't you think? Yeah. That that power has got to be, and that fear, doubt, and unbelief have got to be tied to holiness? Right. Absolutely. It's got, it, it, what, what fear must do and doubt and unbelief, which is totally a lack of faith, which faith is 
the moral conviction and the truthfulness of God. So what you're saying in essence is, I don't believe you're able to do it. And so if you can't believe that God can do it, if you can't believe God is who He is, there's no holiness there. Yeah. You can't have holiness unless you believe who He is. I mean, if you think He's just... If, if you if you operate in the fact that you think that uh, you put it on those terms, what you're basically doing is denying who He is and what He's able to do. You think about that. Yeah. <laughs> now let me throw this at you. I'm going to throw really. Think about what we say. We try to put the onus on God mm. when things don't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what do we do? We say, well, we do things, well, it wasn't God's will. Or, I'm just waiting on God to open the door. I don't know about you guys, but I don't have to look too far for, for the, the, when my prayers are unanswered or I have a problem. I just walk to the, the bathroom, look in the mirror, and I say, there that guy is. Yeah. And so, think about it, brother. Just get, chime in on this. We, we, we take all those things, and it's really our lack of, of holiness yeah. that holds back the power. Have you, have you seen that? I, I, I tell you what I saw. Uh, I, I was downtown one one morning, and they were doing a feeding on the street. Uh-huh. And I was able to share with about six guys out there on the street. One of them I sat down, and it looked like I was sitting next to my brother. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know if he was homeless or if he was out there on the streets witnessing. So I sat down and I talked to the brother, and I, I was telling he had a family. He had left the family. He couldn't get off of drugs. Yeah, he, he was going through the situation. He had been back home. He was back on the streets. The guy was straight when I talked to him. And, and, and I, I, I shared the gospel with him. I, I told him that he was the one in bondage. We're the ones that's free. We are set free in Christ. I'm sharing with this guy. Out of the six people, I was able to, to talk to one guy that got on a train and, and left. I gave him the word of God. I was able to share with him. When I got home, I thought, wow, I did what I could. I shared with these guys. And you know, the scripture came to me where um, uh, the two disciples were trying to cast out a demon. Yeah. And Jesus was away. And when Jesus came down, he cast out the demon. And they said, hey, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Mm -hmm. He said, you can't cast him out without prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow. Where's our heart for these guys? Yeah. If I'm out there on the street, am I praying? Am I fasting? Or am I just out there sharing the Word of God because it's a thing to do? What more can I do? I need to cry out to God. Mm-hmm. I need to intervene for these souls. Mm-hmm. And that, that God just spoke to me that sometimes we go through things mechanical. Sometimes we try to put it on Him and it's like, whoa, that was a clear example. They were not crying out to Him. They were not fasting. They were not... Praying right. for that spirit to be cast out. That's what had to take place. Right. <clears throat> and so you can, you can't have you can't have power without prayer. No. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't have holiness no. without consecration. Probably can't call it fasting consecration. And so the church is lacking those lack. If church if the church is could, could I could I be so bold to say this? Yes, the church is lacking in power. Yes. Yes, the church is lacking in holiness. We yes. say it with. Think about the national ministers that mm-hmm. uh, have fallen into sexual immorality of all types of things that just just unbelievable. Right. And so the church is lacking in holiness. And if it's and if it's lacking in leadership, can you imagine the condition of the church? So if it's lacking in those things, it's it's going to lack in in power. And so it's not praying. Mm-hmm. The, you know the, the evidence of, of of prayerlessness is a lack of power. And, and, and uh, the result of, of no holiness 
is a lack of truly consecrating ourselves to God. Is, is, that, a, is that a fair statement? Yeah. 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 In, in a day and age where there's all these books on, on, on intercession and all these things, the fruit of it's not there, is it? You said something earlier too. It has to be His heart in us. Right. We don't have it in us. Yeah. And right. We have to desire that. Right. We have to seek that. And the Word of God through prayer. I see the other thing that came to mind when you were talking about this Jesus or whoever yeah. He is that's coming. Clearly, they are seeking things of the world. Exactly. They're looking to tickle the ears. And the Scripture is clear. It says. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Okay. All that is in the world, lest the flesh, lest the eyes, eyes pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Right. It clearly tells you not to go that way. These guys are seeking to satisfy their own pleasures and not seeking the heart of God. Right. And so rather than becoming the holiness of God, the righteousness becomes yes. self-righteousness. That's right. Yeah. Which at the end of the day is only going to be. It's only going to be that. It's filthy right. And so what about more self-righteousness? <laughs> more filthy righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. You said something that, that really, uh, that almost created a question to me. There is a lot of people that are praying, but the, I believe the book of James says, but they pray amiss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. you see some people, they say, oh, I pray more. The Pharisees said, man, I pray every day. And the only times yeah. even the young rich world, well, I pay my tithe, I pray, I do this, I do that. But what, is it, what are they praying to, or what are they praying for, or what's their purpose for prayer? What's the motivation? What's the motivation? And I know lots of people who say, man, I pray, but they're not getting anywhere. Well, I wonder why. Why do you believe that is? Why do you believe that they're praying, but they're praying amiss? What do you think they're trying to pray? Is it because what he says in James, to consume the lust upon their own self? Or, or what is it? Because that's that's connected somehow. In well, I don't think we really have to look for it. I mean, look what they, they, they tell you to pray. I mean, even from the things like the book Prayer of Jabez. I mean, people have parlayed that into, you know, how can we get more for us? Right. And, you know, man, let's just take some ambiguous scripture and use it to benefit ourselves. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's not it. He tells us not to lay up treasure for ourselves here on earth. And so when you see the prayer, it's, okay, how can I get the prayer? How can I back God into a corner through prayer? Mm -hmm. What prayer really is, guys, what I found, prayer is me shutting up and listening to God. (laughs) Prayer and me having just a list of endless petitions, He tells me that He knows what I have need of even before I ask. And so with my children, when they were little, I didn't say, you know, Jared's four years old. Son, what do you want to eat? Because it would have always been ice cream or chocolate bar or something like that. Right. I know what he had need of before he asked. And so I had to give him a steady diet of things that were going to be good for him. Mm-hmm. And so I believe what's happened is we've, we've lost what prayer is. Right. I tell you what, brother, you know, you travel a lot, I travel a lot. And sometimes the best prayer I ever have is out there on that road, Amen. driving when it's quiet, and just listening. And just spending that, you know, that two hours out between my two stops and just hearing, listening to God, to His voice. Because He said His sheep hear His voice. And another they will not follow Him. But, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, if we were all just started talking, and you being from New Orleans, you know how New Orleanians can get sometimes? Everybody talking at the same time. Nobody listening. And nobody's listening. No one knows. <laughs> but at the end, everybody goes, well, that sure was a good conversation. <laughs> Nobody knows what was said. But how about us for some time just saying, God, you know what, I want to seek You. And I want to listen to your voice. Then what do we have? Then we begin to tap into what prayer really is, I believe. It's us doing very little 
and hearing. What, what God blessed us with? One mouth and two ears. Right. Maybe He expects us to listen twice as much right. as we That's speak. So right. prayer. And I believe genuine prayer will produce genuine power. Genuine prayer will produce genuine holiness at the same time. And so when Jesus came and says that He came and declared to be the Son of God with power and in the spirit of holiness. So He set the tone for His ministry. And what did He tell us? Follow Me. Follow Me. He said, Deny yourself, take your cross, and follow Me or be an imitator of Me. And so if we're going to imitate Christ, what should be two things that are evident in our life? Prayer, power, 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 and holiness. And we know how we get those things. Seeking God's face and consecrating ourselves unto Him. So He came in the spirit of power and holiness, declared the saints. Then it says, from the resurrection from the dead. And so it links those three things together. Here He is, that He came, declared to be the Son of God with power. We've seen the power. There was no argument about His power from the Pharisees or the religious order at the time. And you know what? I thought about this when you said something, Pastor Alex. They... they they, they didn't complain. They saw it. And did you notice every time you stood in power, who was, who was always showing up? The they Pharisees. Were, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a building catches on fire. Everybody runs. Nobody's helping to put the fire out. You know, you see the guy, the firefighter sweating and doing all these things. And everybody's sitting around watching it burn. Cameras. Yeah. The snapping <laughs> cameras. We can't say Ben and I are snapping pictures of something all the time. But uh, they, they, want to see, they wanted to see the show. And so they were attracted to that. And one other thing I was thinking about, and we're going to move on to resurrection from the dead, just about what separated him out of power. I was talking to a guy that was working on a vehicle of mine one day, and uh, he was uh, Islamic. He was actually from, I believe, uh, Iran or Iraq, somewhere in the Middle East. And uh, he said, yeah, I just got back in town. And he said, I had to be in Germany. My brother was diagnosed with cancer. And he said, he's going through some things, may have to have surgery. And I told him, I said, man, I, I don't know anything about his religion or anything. I said, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your brother. And he said, yeah, okay. You know, and he was kind of reluctant. And I said, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm, come on. Then he began to say, well, you know, I'm Islamic. And I said, you know, I don't care what you are. I said, but let me ask you a question. I said, did, did Muhammad make a provision for your healing? Whoa. I said, as far as I can tell, no other, no other God, no other Savior made, that, made a provision in power for your brother's healing. I said, you know why? Because no other one could. But Jesus said, "He by His stripes, your brother can be healed. I said, no one else was willing to pay the price for anyone else's healing. Now wow. think about that. That's powerful. Mm. And you know what? It, it, his eyes kind of popped open because he never thought about that. And I said, man, you know, I, wherever you come from, really, I, I, I don't really care. I said, but what I'm doing is I'm telling you, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to believe that my Jesus, who made a provision for my healing, for my salvation, for my peace of mind, He made a provision for everything in my life. I said, I don't know what your God made a provision for, but mine made a provision for everything that I need. That's the kind of God that I serve, and that's who I'm going to be praying and asking God to give a miracle to your brother that might be a testimony to your family. And he's, you know, he's just standing there. He's just stupid about it. What do you, what do you say to that? Right. Because I believe he had to think, listen, I'm serving a God that didn't even love me enough to make provision for me. Right. We, we tease Billy all the time about Ben. You know, Ben is like a professional college student. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm good at it. And he's good at it. Good at it but, but here's the thing. I can guarantee this. Ben never, he said here in all seriousness, seriousness, Ben never has to say, man, if I'm in a situation, you never have to hesitate thinking that your dad would not make provision for that. Right. I don't have to get it because I've seen it for the years that I've known you guys. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, you know, I need something. I want to go somewhere. 
Or, you know, I'll, there's, a, there's a place, I'm going to go study the Bible with some folks in another town or whatever else. Brother, you're there. Yeah. Your father's made provision for those things and you've never, you've never had lack or, or had want. Now, your dad loves you. Right. And how much more, we knowing, being evil fathers, know how to give good gifts to our children. Mm-hmm. How much more of him will he give of the Holy Spirit to those that ask is what he would say. That and you know, that's, that's, that, that's the power right. of holiness that he was set, separated and divided off. So he said, listen, I'm, 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 this is who I'm coming at, uh, Paul said in the book of Romans. This is the, this is the, 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 the basis for it. Now, now listen, you can build off of that. That's the firm foundation which is Christ Jesus. He's coming in power. He's coming in holiness. Now here's the kicker. Here's, here's what separates us from the pack. Mm-hmm. And by the resurrection from the dead. Yeah. Now he's the only one that what? Rose from the dead. That, that rose from the dead. So how was that? And you guys can chime in. Why, why do you think it was so important that he rose from the dead? I mean listen. On the cross what did he say? What was the final word? It's finished. It's finished. So if it's finished, why was it so important that he rose from the dead? Is that a is that a paradox? Is that a misnomer? Then <laughs> no. why was that important? To prove that he was the Son of God. To conquer. I mean he already conquered, but I think partly was be, was for that reason. Okay, let me let me throw this at you. It, it proved that he was the Son of God in in what way? Number one. Think about it. Why, how did it prove that he was the Son of God? That uh, death could have no hold on him. I don't know. Uh-huh. What else did it prove about him? And he said he came with power and holiness. Right. Did it demonstrate, prove his power? Yes. Yeah. yeah. How, how do we know that? Because what does Romans is going to say in, in chapter eight? If that same Spirit, right, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it'll quicken your mortal. It'll life. make you alive too. Mm-hmm. And so he he gave proof. He said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do something for you. It'd be like Ben telling. Uh, making his son a promise and he said son listen man I'm going to buy you a penthouse apartment in New York City and Ben's going to say but dad you don't even have one you've never bought one and you don't have the means to do that well I'm going to do that well Ben I'm going to take you on a worldwide cruise he's looking for proof and so what he asked you for is always in commensurate of what he's witnessed Right. think about that Okay. and so that power is going to be drawn from Experience, and so he's saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna die, so you can live." And so that that power, so we can draw from the ultimate source of power. What do he say? Death, where is your sting? Right. Grave, where is your victory? Death has been swallowed up in victory. And so for us, if we're calling out to him and we're praying in the name of Jesus, believing in faith, we're drawn from that source of power. So it does demonstrate his power. But what does it also? We said the spirit of power and of holiness. So, how does the resurrection of the dead prove His holiness? Think about that. Because it does. What, what is the kicker in there that, that, that proves His holiness because He was resurrected from the dead? Think about it. Any idea? Take a shot at it. Let me, okay, I'm going to help you out. The wages of sin is what? Death. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life. life. Mm -hmm. What is is the thing Uh, that kills you? Sin. Sin Sin will kill you. Right. Because he had no sin. Right. It was an impossibility for for the grave to hold him. Right. Think about that. Right. 
His holiness was proven by... I don't care how many rocks they would have had in the way. Right. I don't care how many times they would have pierced His body. Because there was no guile found in Him, because there was no sin found in Him, it was just a matter of minutes, or a matter of days in this right. case, that He was going to come back up. Right. Because death had no hold on Him, as the Scripture says. Why? Because there was no sin, there was no sin found in Him. Yeah. The reason that we die, the reason that we get up every day as we get older and we get a little bit more aches in us and it gets a little bit tougher is because of the effects yeah. of sin. Mm-hmm. Because in eternity, you think about with Adam and Eve in the garden. You know what? There was no sin. And so it was limitless. And so even in early creation, you take, you take from, from Genesis to the days of Noah, look how long people lived. You know, right. We had people living in the 900s, nearly a thousand years. Why was that? You know, they talk about, well, there was this large water vapor and all this stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. And hey, that may have been a contributing factor, but yeah. I tell you what, let me, let me take a baby and put them in a, in a bottle of water, and let's see if they live 900 years. Let me protect them from the melanin. You think it's going to happen because no. of the lack of UV radiation? So, so what is it that, that kills us? Sin. What is it that's chopped our years down? Yeah, it's the effects, and we forget, we think sin just affects us. Sin affects everything. It affects the whole world. Think about that Adam. Adam was in the garden and he was given the responsibility to name every living creature. That's a tall order. Yeah. And so if we if I told you to go out here in Florida and name me all the species of plants from scratch, then you got a job today. Take a pen and pencil pencil. And you've got to come up with something that's never been named before, and you've got to come up with the names. That's going to be a tough order. Yeah. You're going to be, okay, this is going to be a uh, Y. Willie Bush. This is going to be, I mean, after a while, brother, you're just going to be rhyming because you don't know what else to say. Yeah. Every single living creature, every bug, every fly, every variation of those things. Because when he was created in the image of God, he was created in, in holiness. And so he had command of all of his mental faculties. And so he didn't have, what do they tell us we have? Right or left hemisphere deal? No, how much percentage do they say we actually use of our brain? Oh, like 5%? Yeah. Now, do you think God created him with, with a 5% ability? Mm-hmm. 100%, 100% ability to do those. And so we've seen through, through because of the proliferation of sin and the absence of holiness, we, we've seen a, a lack of ability even in, in our cognitive thinking and reasoning. We've, we've waxed worse and worse. And, it's, and what we've also seen, we've seen a, a diminishment in the amount of years that a man lives. Mm-hmm. So it's worked because sin and sin and sin. But we've also seen the diminishing of miracles. In the, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, wow. Man, you've seen all types of people. You saw the Elijahs and Elijahs right. calling down fire. You've seen, you seen Moses uh, uh, operating in the miracles. Who did you see in the New Testament? Primarily Jesus and the disciples. But think about this. In the Old Testament, you saw men moving against nature. You saw Moses holding out his right. staff at the Red Sea party. You saw the, uh, uh, Elisha's uh, floating axe head. You saw Elijah calling down fire from heaven. In the New Testament, who did you see moving against nature? Primary Jesus. Only Jesus. Yeah. So what is that? It's the effects of sin. We talked about the fear, the doubt, and the unbelief. But I believe that God is wanting to bring up, and even if it has, Romans will tell us that there's a, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. That he's bringing back those pockets, and He's going to demonstrate His power. And He said that these signs shall follow those that believe. And He said they went forth preaching the gospel with signs following, confirming that word. And so, if there's not signs following, what does it say that the gospel has not been preached widespread? 
And I believe God is bringing us back to this place. So, really, the, the resurrection from the dead proves His power. His it proves His holiness because death could not keep Him down. Uh, let me find that. Acts 2.22. Think about this in relationship to, to, to who Jesus was. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, preaches that, that, that word, 3,000 get saved. But part of it was this. Acts 2.22-24. And it says, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs. There's, there's Romans right. 1, 1, 3, 4. He said, Which God did by him in the midst of you. There's that parameters that we talk about. Mm-hmm. He, set, he set him apart. As you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel. In other words, nobody took his life. And the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by wicked hands the lack of holiness, and you crucified and slayed him whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because, I love this, it was not possible that he should be holding to heaven. Mm. There it is. Yeah. It was not, he loosed the pains of death, because it was not even a possibility, because of who he was, that death could hold him down. Wow. And you would think that, you know, this, this fallen host of heaven, the fallen angels and Satan, you know, they thought, boy, they got him now. But did they? But look how sin even deprived them of knowing who he was for the previous eons or however long yeah. it happened to have been. They, sin will cause you to forget who God is. Mm-hmm. And once you forget who he is, you'll not walk in holiness. Right. You'll not walk in power. Mm-hmm. You'll not even partake of the things that get you there. Genuine prayer and having that communion with God. You'll, you'll not consecrate yourselves unto him. Right. And as a result of all those things... You forget who God is and He just becomes another emblem of some religion. Maybe something you go through the motions is, but He ceases to be the God of power and holiness. Right. And if He's not the God in power and holiness in, in your life or in my life, mm-hmm. He will not be the God of your resurrection. Mm-hmm. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. You know what you were saying? Uh, is this? I've always thought this when I read the Old Testament. I always think the Old Testament is a reminder of who God is. Because mm-hmm. yeah. when you read the Old Testament, you say, look what God can do. That's right. what I think out of the Old Testament. I, mean, I know it's types and shadows, and I know it's all those different things, but from a personal level, when I read it, I go, man, look who God is. I don't serve a God that's, that's weak or serve a God that, that can't accomplish anything. I serve a God that can do all things. And so when I read it, the Old Testament, that's what I think. I, yeah. I'm reminded, like you said, if you forget who God is. And so I think that it's very important to always put yeah. in remembrance. Because sometimes you don't feel like it, especially if you're going through stuff during the day or week or month or years. Sometimes you just you, you slowly begin to say, oh man, and you let that doubt and unbelief come in and you forget who you serve. And you have to remind yourself, wait a minute, who am I talking about here? Who am I serving yeah. here? I'm serving the yeah. great God of I Am. I'm serving, yeah. you know, last night I was saying, the unshakable, the immovable, the one that yeah. cannot be changed, the, you know, the Holy One. I mean, yeah. you have to bring in remembrance of who He is because uh, <coughs> Jesus said that cares this world will choke out the Word of God. And so, that's what happens. You get so caught up in so much you just begin to forget who He is. And that's where you begin to have lack of faith or anything because you're not convinced of the, you're not convicted of the truthfulness of God. You forget how true He is and how what kind of God you serve. You mentioned the things that cause us to forget who He is, and the cares of this world choke out the Word of God. Any of you guys face those things on a daily basis, like I have to? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are, what are some of the practical things? We have people that are thinking, you know, 
practically, what is it? Because, you know, you, you see somebody teaching the Word or whatever, and you think, boy, they got... i tell you what, every single day, I've got to crucify my flesh. You know, for myself, man, there's just... There, there's things that, that, that God demands of me. Period. There's things that God demands of me based upon what I committed unto Him. And that's really what it comes down to. God gives us a free will. He gives us the opportunity to do that. But once we make that commitment to Him, boom, now there's a commitment we have to make in return to them. So it's a reciprocating type of thing. But what, what, what do you see on a practical thing that, that, that causes you to forget or tries to diminish who God is for you, Ben? Well, just take it up the next level. Um, I heard one said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times I see an attack on my time, or so-called time, mm-hmm. um, basically that uh, any little distraction that comes, I allow it to uh, let me deviate uh, from where I should be. You know, even things that look good. You know, even things that would appear to be good, little things I could be doing other than what I need to be doing. Right. And uh, I think that's a lot of times I think we, uh, we do look at that. Oh, well, this isn't uh, horribly bad, and it's okay. Well, maybe, you know, um, it's just that uh, attack on our time. We need to be doing what we need to be doing. And see, this is true for you guys. I've, I've always said this about myself. I always have time to do what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. If I don't want to do it, it's real easy not to have time. <laughs> right. Right. So I always pray, God, increase my, the length of my days. And you know what? He'll always answer that prayer every season. You know, I average about two hours of sleep every day. You know, so may God give you that. You know, make it good. Make it good when I can get it because I know I'm not going to hours. Yeah. yeah, because I know I got there's things that I've got to do. And so we, we let's, let's jump on down. So uh, it says, Declare to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of Holiness from the resurrection from the dead. Then verse 5 it says, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. By whom we have received grace. I'm going to stop right there. This one, and Pastor Alex said something I talked about. The, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. You know, here we have, we have Abraham. Called from your the, the Chaldees. Mm-hmm. That was, guys, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but that was the, the first picture or type of grace. So, did it say that, that Abraham was the only guy, or that this, he said, I want to make a people out of you? From, that was God's choice. Mm-hmm. That was his grace. Now, let me throw this at you, you folks out there, you might write this de- definition. That, you know, people have, have said today that, that grace is the unmerited favor of God. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I looked in the Old Testament and pulled out my Greek or my Hebrew lexicon in that case, mm-hmm. you know what? I'd probably find a definition that that kind of summed up. It's just God's unmerited favor. But something happened when Jesus hung up on the cross. And let me let me tell you. Here's what I'm getting at: that, that He come by whom we have received grace, by whom we have received grace. Now think about it. If I just say that it's the unmerited favor of God. What about what about eliminated? Think about it. By whom? Who, who have I eliminated? Jesus. I've eliminated the Jesus from grace. What I believe has happened in the church is we have not walked in the grace of God because we've eliminated the source of the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It's unmerited favor. Now, prior to the cross, the old covenant, the law of sin and death. What was what was missing from that equation? Grace. Jesus was Jesus, right. He had yet, not yet been crucified. And so the, the patriarchs of old, they didn't get the benefits that we have. You know, they didn't have, they weren't called his bride. 
They didn't have the benefits of the grace of God in that situation. Why? Because they had not yet seen that the death, the burial, the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. And so if you want to live a grace that's strictly the unmerited favor of God, go for it. And you're going to struggle. But it says we have received grace through whom? Why is that important? Because whereas it's defined in the Hebrew as the unmerited favor of God, the Greek defines it as the divine influence of God upon the life and its reflection in the believer. I'll say that again. Grace in the New Testament is the word we get charis from. It is the divine influence of God on your life and its reflection out of your life. And so, why, why did it become different? Because it went from being unmerited in the form of a promise to being merited in the New Testament because of the cross. Mm-hmm. You, you see the difference in how grace yeah. it's capitalized on it. I mean, it, it's boom. It'd be one thing for you to have a have a have a loan with a bank and say you owed a hundred thousand dollars on your home, and they say we're gonna give you a grace period of ten days. Well, that's nice, but what about that eleventh day? You better pay up. Now, what if they say we're gonna give you grace? You know what? You never have to pay it back. That's my kind of grace. Right. That's the grace that is sufficient for us. Mm-hmm. The other just may buy you in the old covenant. It might buy you a year. It'll buy you a little time. But what about when the genuine grace of God, that influence comes, and you respond to that influence in, in holiness and repentance and righteousness, and it says, regardless of, of where you've been, what you've done, all those things are instantaneously obliterated. And so we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. And so what does grace provide for us? It provides us to be obedient to the faith among all nations for His name's sake. You see that? And so if I have genuine grace, it's going to influence me. Grace can manifest itself in two ways. You can write this down if you're taking notes. If, if grace or that divine influence comes and you reject it, it's going to reflect back judgment. Think about that. Now, if grace hits you or He influences you, and it reflects back your repentant heart or humility, it's going to declare and it's going to speak mercy to you. And so grace is that under the new covenant because it's been paid for by Jesus Christ. It's not like we're just some people that randomly selected and said, you're the Chaldees, I'm going to make a a great nation of you. Your seed is going to be like the, the sands of the seashore. It's not like that. Now we're grafted into a source and He says, listen, I'm going to influence you, Billy Mack. I'm going to put those things in you. I'm going to tell you, here's what you need to do. I'm going to touch your heart. I'm going to convict you. I'm going to woo you. I'm going to place you in a certain thing. And now what? Now we're waiting. Mm-hmm. We're waiting for the reflection. Now, what is it in color schemes? Black absorbs. Doesn't it absorb the sun? And white is reflected. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to use... They talk, what do they call them? Cool colors? Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a cool color. He's got a pale green. I've got a, a dark color that's going to draw in heat. We stand out in heat a while. You're going to be cooler just by virtue of what you're clothed in. Now think about this. I'm going to benefit more from grace if I'm clothed in the previous verse. Power and holiness. Holiness will cause my garments to be like white raiment to be filled. And so when he's saying, listen, he's coming. He's coming in power and in holiness, the resurrection from the dead. That, that so that you can obtain that grace and apostleship, that commission, that setting aside, so that you can be obedient to the faith. Where? Among all nations, 
for His name's sake. And so, uh, just on that issue of grace, think about how grace has been uh, misappropriated. And as a result, people have lost the benefit of grace. You know, I'm just a, think, think about this. Have you heard this before? I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. What, what is that saying? That really, that the grace grace has no really there is no grace really. You think about it. Well, as we get into chapters five, six, and seven in Romans, we'll, we'll see in the relationship to that that's become such a common phrase that he says, "When you were yet sinners." Yeah. Because once we come to Christ, we're identified not as sinners, but He calls us the righteousness of God. Yeah. Now, I can say rough, rough, or I can say bop, bop, but it doesn't make me a dog or a chicken. Right. Now, do I sin? Yeah, I sin. Uh, do I sin habitually like I did as a lost person? Absolutely not. Because that's not my nature anymore. And so, am I a sinner? No. I am born again. I've been transformed. Because sinners don't make it to heaven. Do I sin? Yeah, I do sin. And I, and I, and I, but I have an advocate with the Father that declares that that's not who I am anymore. I'm now a son. Sinners go to hell. Saints go to heaven. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a saint by virtue of being perfect. I'm, being, I'm a saint by virtue of being perfected through faith in the grace of God and the Word of God. But as long as you've got pastors standing up in pulpits saying, Listen guys, just know that we're all just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. What does he provide? He's provided carte blanche. He's saying, listen, you probably never will have victory. Yeah. You can expect, you know what, that old boy that ran around his wife? It's just, that's just the way things happen. You go, and she's a good-hearted woman in love with a good, cold-hearted man. And until I appropriate grace out of the spirit of power and of holiness... What am I going to be? I'm going to, I'm going to try just somehow to hold on to some unmerited favor and perhaps I'll make it in and perhaps I'll just barely scratch in rather than saying this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith that, that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb, the price that was paid, this one that was resurrected from the dead. Blood of the Lamb and by the word of somebody else's testimony. No. By the word of their testimony. What's the testimony? The testimony, your testimony is the ref, your reflection of grace. Right. Yeah. What's grace? It's the divine influence, the blood of the Lamb, and the word of your testimony. Right. The reflection in your life. And so if I'm going to be an overcomer, I can't just take the divine influence. I walked that aisle back at 14 years old at summer camp. The divine influence. He, he, he influenced us to that place. No man can call Christ Lord. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Unless they're drawn by the Holy Spirit. That's the, the influence. But boom, once that happens, what's God saying? What's He going to reflect on? Yeah. He gives grace to who? The humble. And rejects the proud. He gives grace to those that are clothed in humility. Those that are clothed in His righteousness. And it's there. But those that don't, what happens? They rest- all they do is absorb judgment upon themselves. The Bible says in John 3, it says, This is the condemnation that men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Right. And so if we really want to have the appropriation, this grace that's, that's mentioned right here in this, this Magna Carta of the, of the New Covenant, that we've got to receive it through the agency of power, holiness, and the resurrection of the dead. That I, if I'm going to be identified with Christ's resurrection, I've also got to be identified with His death. Mm-hmm. Paul said, I die daily. Mm-hmm. I've been crucified with Christ, he says in Galatians. Yeah. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I that live, but Christ who lives 
in me. And I now live a life in the flesh, but I live it according to the Son of God who loved me, who gave Himself for me, who, who, who did His part and appropriated grace to me. And now my testimony is going to say, you know what? I may have been a womanizing drunkard. I may have been bound by homosexuality. I may have walked in unforgiveness. I may have been a thief and a liar. But man, something is now reflecting in me because the blood of Jesus has come into my life and I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And now I'm walking with Him. I'm talking with Him. And I've not attained, as Paul said in Philippians 3. But one thing I have done, I've learned to forget those things that are behind. And I press. I press towards a higher mark of grace. I press towards a higher mark of holiness. I press towards a higher mark of power. Rather than just sitting back in my easy chair of Christianity... Showing up and punching my clock on a Sunday morning and dropping a few token coins in a plate and saying, you know what? I'm just an old sinner saved from grace. Now, if you want that, get you a piece of that. Yeah. But on the day of judgment, take your chances and your blood be upon your own head to think that he's gonna, he's gonna, you think that you're gonna have the audacity to believe that he's gonna look into that sorry, uh, fear-filled, uh, uh, immoral, lack of holiness life and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. No way. Why? Because it's not some unmerited thing we're waiting on. But we look back and the testimony of Jesus calls us to holiness. The testimony of Jesus calls us to power. The testimony of Jesus calls us to, to faithfulness in our life. And if we're not going to follow after that Jesus, go. I, I can tell you, 275 miles due south of me, there's another Jesus that will probably allow you to walk that way. He goes by De Jesus. You may have to get uh, some tattooed on you. But you'll be able to do exactly what you want to. You can and, and, and do your little token obligatory prayers. And he'll say it's fine and dandy. So, but don't try to serve the Jesus that's seated upon the throne in glory. Whose name is called holy. Whose name is called true. Whose name is called faithful and just. Go find one that's going to buy into those feeble excuses. But we have received grace and apostleship to be obedient right. to the faith among all nations for his name. Uh, then it also goes on to say, we're going to close with, with verse 6. It says, by whom you're also, or what? Also. We're also are called of the Christ. And so we sit here today as, as four guys in, in, in Daytona Beach, Florida, just as responsible as those 12 that were called from, from their jobs as tax collectors and their jobs as fishermen and, and their jobs as doctors, as Luke, or, or whoever it may have been. We're responsible. We are also called of Jesus Christ. Matthew 2, 22, 14, it says what? Many are called. Few. Few. Few are chosen. Mm -hmm. So that there's a universal call that's gone out. But what's going to call us, cause us to be chosen? What is it? What's going to qualify us just for being you, chosen? Just doing what you just said. To walk in the power and the holiness mm -hmm. of faith and the resurrection of the dead and allow the reflective truth and light of grace to come out of our lives. Think about this. Revelation 17, 14. You know, we saw it from the beginning, right here in, the, in this, this, this first epistle of the New Covenant. Now, let's, let's go to the very end. The book of Revelation, chapter 17, verse 14. It says, They will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is the Lord of hosts, the King of kings. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. What are they? They're not only called. They're chosen. But they're chosen. And so we know that the chosen part is, 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 is based upon our obedience to those other elements that we talked about this morning. And what are they? They're faithful. Faithful. And so I just, what I pray, what I pray I'm just, God, find me faithful. Right. Because I know if I'm faithful, then I can back that stuff up 
And my faithfulness is just a product. Y'all hear that phone ringing? It's really, we're live, so you're going to hear that. And so if we're faithful, that means that we have been chosen of God out of that, that universal call that He's placed upon our lives. Any, anything closing to this, guys, before we, we go off the air this morning that maybe you want to throw out there for these folks? I like what you said about when Paul the Apostle was saying pressing in, and when you said that, I just realized pressing, when you have to press against them, there's resistance. Yeah, that's good. There's resistance. And so there's not just a um, going in. There's things keep trying to keep you resisting against you for trying to go into that. Yeah. That high, that calling, that mark, that grace. So they're going to try to keep you from getting that holiness, that, that uh, resurrection from the dead, the, the power, the, all those things, the grace. It's going, to try to, it's going to try to push you and keep you against it. But yeah. Paul and Paul said, I press. And so you're going to have to push in. Maybe it's too difficult, but you got to press in. And brother, what does that, what does that pressing create in you? Say so if you're pressing on weights. Yeah, it cre- creates strength. creates power. Yeah. Think about that. It creates power, endurance. Mm-hmm. So even in the natural, he's given us that, that, that natural picture of something that's spiritual. Mm-hmm. And without the press, right. there's no power. There's no power. Without the press, right. there's no endurance. So don't grow weary. <laughs> and well good. Yeah, good season. Yeah. Right, because gonna, it's going to be difficult, but if you'll keep pressing in, something's gonna, you're going to get strong. So... Amen. That's good. Guys, thank you all so much. You did join us from literally all over the nation and the nations today for uh, the Raven Institute of uh, Ministry and Biblical Studies. Billy Mac, Benny Mac, good to have hey, you guys. Good to be here. And uh, yeah. Pastor Alex, always good to have you here with us in the morning.